Welcome to Obey the Grain podcast number 13. Lucky number, number 13. One, three. Is it lucky or unlucky? Yes. <laughs> yes? <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, well, um, this is uh, obviously if you're tuning in, uh, we'll try and get this out tomorrow, which would be Tuesday. Um Obviously, there's a lot of crazy world events going on, and, uh, you know, we've discussed it a little bit, but we thought it would be good to get an episode out this week, um, maybe as to just kind of, like, give some people some things to think about. We're not really going to get into actually all the stuff that's going on, but more about your reaction and controlling what you can control, and uh, a while ago here on the podcast, I talked about, I had a story that I wanted to tell sometime. And so we've talked about that. We're going to go ahead and put that out today. And I, I think it's pretty fitting for what's going on in the world. And I think you'll enjoy the story. I apply this story a lot. Um, I'm especially as a wrestling coach and as a teacher, I tell this story uh, in class and I tell this story to my wrestlers. It's one of my favorite ones. And, um, I'll just have to get into it. Do you guys have anything you want to say before I get into it? Nope. I'm good. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So this story, um, some of you may have heard before. This story is called, I Sleep Good When It Rains. There was once a farmer looking for a young man to help out at the farm. And there were several young men who interviewed for the job. And as far as the farmer could tell, they were all equally well qualified. He then went and asked them each one final question. And he said, tell me, he would say, why should I hire you above the others? Of all the applicants and their replies, there was, there was one really different answer. One young man said, because I sleep good when it rains. At first, the farmer thought it was strange and then he thought more and then he thought the more he was intrigued the more he thought on it the more he was intrigued and mystified by the response so he figured well i'm going to give this young man a chance and he went ahead and hired him weeks went by and the farmer was pretty happy with the young man's work he still wondered sometimes what the young man meant when meant by his strange reply but he never got around to asking him And then finally, one night, he was awakened in the middle of the night and got a phone call from his neighbor. There's a big storm suddenly coming in with lots of wind, maybe even a tornado. You better get ready for it, the neighbor said. Indeed, as the farmer went and looked out the front door, he found that the wind was strong and rising and the wind had and the rain had even started. He quickly ran and tried to wake the young man up and started getting everything ready for the blow. But try as he might, the young man couldn't be stirred. He was grabbing him and shaking him. Hey, man, you got to wake up. Come on, we got to get everything taken care of. Muttering to himself about what a stupid thing he had done by hiring such a lazy boy who wouldn't wake up when he really needed him, the farmer went out to the farm to prepare the farm for the storm. He went out to tie down the hay but he discovered that the hay was already tied down. Next, he went out to the barn and the corrals, and every time he looked, everything had already been prepared. The cows had been put up in the barn. 
the chickens had been put back in the coop. And after a while of just wandering around the farm of discovering that there was really nothing that needed to be done at the last minute because it had all had been done before. The farmer returned to the house, but instead of muttering, he actually found himself singing praises of this young man. He had realized to his great joy that the reason that the young man could sleep through anything was because before he went to bed each night and every night, he had already prepared for the worst. And so the farmer followed the example of the young man. Since everything was already prepared, he undressed and was soon fast asleep with a huge smile of peace on his face. So I sleep good when it rains. What do you guys think of that? I need that young man in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That is, I... uh, I I heard that story, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I've always like, that's kind of been a life philosophical story for me to hear because, uh, it is, I think it's really fitting for right now. Um, and I'm, I'm not by any means trying to downgrade the current world situation with what's going on, but I definitely feel If you have prepared as far as I'm not talking about doomsday preppers, but if you (laughs) have, if you have, (laughs) (laughs) well, if you have taken care of the things that are most important in your life and you have taken care of those things and, you know, you're living um, a good, healthy life, then I think um, you should feel okay. And the one thing that I want to reach out to, I think particularly the people that are listening to this podcast, is I think if anybody should feel okay, it's the types of people that we know, hang out with, and listen to this podcast. Because makers in general, I think, are pretty fairly self-sufficient people. Resourceful. And yeah, yeah, we're resourceful. And we aren't, um, you know, when, when something needs to be done, Typically, we're the type of people that are willing to go do the job, you know, go do the thing that needs to be done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can sit on our hands, you know, and and worry. And one one of my favorite quotes and comments uh, is worrying. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And that's, uh, I guess, kind of similar to the way I feel. Um, Again, I'm not trying to say that you know, there isn't reason to, um, be concerned with some things or to keep your eye on some things. But at the same time, uh, I think that if you have done the things that you need to do and taken care of the things in your life that need to be taken care of, I think you need to take a deep breath and relax and remember that you are a maker and that, you know, you're a resourceful person that, you know, we're going to get through it. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I think that you can only prepare for so many things, right? You can only you can only do what you can do. Yeah, so many contingencies, and beyond that, like uh, it's just up to fate, and you you just have to relinquish yourself to the vagaries of fate um, because you can't control everything. We're we're humans. We're not, you know, omnipotent beings, obviously. So. And it's not an excuse to not, I mean, I'm not trying to bring that up as an excuse to not uh, apply as much diligence as possible, but 
there's a you can only work so hard you know you can only be so informed about things you can only do so much um to help other people i mean there's yeah do what you can and after that just don't worry about it and i wish i were a person who could heed that advice (laughs) 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 i'm a terrible much easier well much easier said than done you know and um I think personally, I, a long time ago, I came to a conclusion in my life that, you know, I could, I could only control what I could control, like literally. And that's sometimes that's a hard thing to, um, even understand, like even, okay. Like if you write down a list, here are the things that I can control. Like, where do you draw that line? You know, where does that line get drawn? And, but I think if you simplify and I think if you really, truly think about the things that matter in your life, like the things that you hold value, that hold value in your life and the things that you are that hold valuable to, you know, you can come up with that list. And, and you know, times like this, focus on those things, focus on the people you love. And um, I definitely the last, you know, the last three or four days, this, you know, the situation is kind of crazy where it it changes every couple of hours or, you know, new, you know, when you think about it, um, five days ago, everything was fairly normal, like no real big cancellations or anything. And five days later, you know, people are shutting down. And, you know, I think we all agree that um, there's probably going to be some real economic ramifications that come with this, you know? And so there again, that would, you know, also kind of be like a storm where, Take care of the things that you can take care of and control the things that you can control and have faith in yourself to do the right thing, you know, or to control those things, you know, have confidence in the person that you are. Mm -hmm. So So we can use that as a a personal example. Uh, Our livelihood has dramatically been affected by current situations. And you talk about Mm -hmm. shutting down, you know, we, we're not able to do our last two shows, which means we did not get paid for our last two shows. But um, yeah, we're upset. It's unfortunate, but we have put in place things that we're going to be fine. Well, the way I like to say it, we're just used to being poor. So <laughs> we were trying to be a little less poor, but. But now we're just the same poor. So, but. Um, there are other ways that we can try to make up some of that income, right? So we try to keep as much flexibility in how we spend our time or how we uh, will try to adapt to that. You know, it, well, the other corollary to this, of course, is don't count your chickens before they hatch. Right. Right. So (laughs) we were, uh, we had talked to you, Justin, about some plans of maybe um, walling in our covered patio that's yeah. off. I mean, there, there's no way now. So that's, we were thinking if we had that, that money at the end of our show season to how to reinvest that. In it. Nope. That's, that's not going to happen. happen. So that's definitely put off, but, but we'll try to absorb the, the, uh, I don't, I don't even like to call it a loss it's because not a loss. It's, just we not had, a game. it's money we hadn't made yet. Yeah. Right. Potential. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I I think a lot of people in a situation like that, you can feel like it's a loss, but it's, it's not necessarily. In fact, 
uh, in times like this, I think you learn a lot, A, about yourself. You learn a lot about people. You learn a lot about what you can accomplish um, mm -hmm. with, with less. And I, I think that there can be a silver lining to almost any situation. Another thing, if anybody's been watching our stories the last couple of days, uh, right before we did our last leg of the shows, like the night before, we had to leave. We were planning on being gone for five weeks, but it ended up only being like three, three. weeks. Uh, our water heater failed and was leaking out the bottom. Literally 12 hours before yeah. we were leaving. Yeah. And so we just drained the water heater and let it sit. But we had to deal with that immediately as soon as we got back. And uh, we were hoping to uh, have the income again to be able to replace all of our old galvanized plumbing in this 70 year old house with pecs right bringing it up to standards and most especially mm -hmm. get some hot water pressure because it's it's been pitiful just like a, a tiny trickle like freeze trying to take a shower even with the you know the hot water at full uh so there's try to find another way is how do you adapt to the lower income or whatever challenge it is. is is there another way that you can just be creative and get by and so it was it was kind of almost fun it was not, fun i think it's fun <laughs> i even said to that flush the debris out of our galvanized pipes and get the pressure back you get to see all those yeah. mineral deposits inside uh -huh. of the water lines and you break them off and it's very satisfying mm -hmm. and i mean it's flowing really well now and so who knows maybe we'll get another few decades of service out of these right. pipes before they have to be replaced right yeah but at a you know i don't know how much it would cost pex isn't super expensive but it'd be a fraction of the amount of time of doing that install in addition to saving the money and here so i want to jump off that point and to the people that are listening to the makers of the world or the makers of our obey the grain podcast anyway um I, I kind of understand and agree and I felt the way that you felt about like taking this on as a little bit of a challenge. Like, okay, world, you trying to knock me down a little bit? You know, I'm going to get creative. You know, I'm going to come up with something here and I'm going to make this still work. And that's a little bit, I think that's what makes us kind of unique, you know, makers in general for like we can be creative and that's how we can set ourselves apart, you know, from the other people that might be freaking out, you know, um, that, you know, they, they don't feel like they can control things on their own. So I've felt that way before. I know, uh, you know, my, the first house I bought, I, I paid $30,000 for my first house. <laughs> it was um, literally, it was a hodgepodge mess. And I could, I could actually probably go an entire episode to tell some of the funny quirks and stories about that um, house. But it was a true, like I was, what, 24, I think at the time when I bought it, it was a true challenge to me, you know, and I spent now granted a uh, fun story as I bought that house in spring of 2008. And, and, uh, then the, uh, thinking that I was just going to flip it, you know, and then move on to my next one. And I ended up owning that house for what, uh, six or seven years, I think uh -huh. because of this, the housing market, but you know, but it was a challenge to me and it actually created a pretty good, you know, learning environment for me to be able to work on a bunch of different things that I hadn't honed my skills on. 
So, you know, look for, look for the opportunities that are there. And, you know, I'm sure you guys might've seen the post that I put up about, I was just kind of feeling this way yesterday with our, our family and just like, you know, um, the last five years of my life, uh, have been go, 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 go. And, you know, push this off to the side, push that off to the side. Don't, Oh, I can do that next week. I can do that a month from now. I can do that next year. And as I've continued to do that, those things pile up and you keep trying to take care of the things that are right in front of you. But some of those things that you've wanted to get to for a while, um, or literally just shut your mind down, you know, um, being a teacher and a coach, I get emails, phone calls, and text messages constantly. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of looking forward to that stuff slowing down for a couple weeks for me. And so I can truly focus on my house, focus on my family and, you know, hopefully with little interruption. So do you guys, do you guys find yourself getting into some situations like that or? Well, I just want to say that, yeah, that is a very excellent point that you just made that how many people, you know, we, we like lament the lack of opportunity to just slow down and chill out and have either, you know, me time, like we talked about recently or family time Mm -hmm. and like what better opportunity or project time. Yeah. So that, that's the, uh, you know, making lemonade out of it. Yeah. I mean the, I, and in my post I put up, I was like, how many times have you said to yourself, if man, if I just had one week, Mm -hmm. I just had one week or even a day, man, if I just had one day to myself, where, I, you know, no doctor's appointments, um, not, where literally I could either go down to my shop and just I've, I've been wanting to get into leather working or something, you know, like if I could just go spend a day in the shop working with leather just by myself, quiet, you know, or something like that. It's like, well, I'm going to get those opportunities here in the next couple of weeks or, you know, I mean, just just look for the opportunities that you have. Everybody's might be different. You know, maybe you've been so crazy busy and traveling because of your job and now you're going to be at home and you've got a family like go do go do a puzzle with them. Go find board games, you know, and, you know, if we I really feel like as a country, if we look for those opportunities, we can turn this into a positive thing and hopefully things don't get that out of hand. So. But you guys, do you specifically have some things that you're looking at like that? Like, well, we're kind of limited at what we can do, but here's something I've been meaning to do. Yeah, totally. Uh, I am a, I am an introvert. And if this is an opportunity for me to be able to, you know, legitimize my staying home and being <laughs> antisocial, that's great. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, you know, I know that we're, you know, going to feel the loss of income, but honestly, I, I haven't slept well in uh, weeks or even months. Um, travel causes all kinds of stress, um, just doing our job. I mean, th- and this isn't just specific to what we do. This is every job. You can get stressed out. You can get uh, overwhelmed. And so being home an extra two weeks early, it's it's all right. Um, we've been gone for three weeks and it's a long time to be gone for three weeks. I'm glad to be, you know, sleeping in my own bed. And I am very much looking forward to once this water heater situation is under control, 
going outside and um, just playing around in the yard, cleaning up the yard even. Uh, I was just telling Tracy, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to doing laundry and dishes, just normal <laughs> household stuff and getting the house cleaned up, getting uh, things tidied and put away and organized and um, having a, 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 a workspace. Well, so something that uh, I guess ties in here is how many, we got a lot of people asking us uh, at the shows, like how, is there any way to do distance, like uh, distance learning, distance classes, yeah, webinars, car carving, coaching type stuff. Right. And so maybe this is the, the impetus we need to develop something like that. Maybe like through a Patreon subscription. Um, mm -hmm. A couple people suggest that to, uh, to just get our education out there where people can access it, but that would, you know, minimize the need for travel. Mm -hmm. And it would, it would yeah. supplement income too. And, and it's at been a our, relatively small we've amount. We've thought of something like that for a while, but it's one of those things that's always on the back burner, but maybe this is where it gets, you know, moved to the front burner. So just no, changing absolutely. those priorities or like for me, I, I'm trying to foresee also, I mean, not, I wouldn't say most, but it's a good chunk of our income comes from selling our finished work, but just looking at the economic impact this is going to have, I, I think a lot of people are going to have less disposable income coming up, mm -hmm. especially in the, you know, the holiday gift giving season. And if people aren't looking for gourmet, you know, handmade carved stuff, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be trying to supplement their heat inexpensively with firewood. So I may shift gears and try to do a lot more firewood production uh, yeah. in the spring in summer so it can be dry and ready to, to get some of our income shifted to that, to that front. So just, and mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy that work too. It's, it's much less um, load on the mind, you know, thinking, which is good and bad, but uh, especially I, I, you know, Justin, I'm, I'm one of those people who is just going to hold back my thoughts on this whole situation, <laughs> you know, <for> <laughs> feathers, but just dealing with the, uh, the stress and kind of the aggravation of the situation. Um, for me, exercise has always helped to work out that, that kind of stuff. So I'll be swinging a lot of, a lot of malls or swinging a mall a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. Well, and here's something that here's something I want to throw out to you guys, too, is this is something I think that you could look into um, is that I've seen a couple people offering up some like uh, basically, you know, their personal time or their, their deep knowledge on a specific subject and kind of like a Patreon type thing and saying like, you know, look uh, here for, um, you know, maybe if you wanted to charge for like a week's worth of messages and you know, something like that mm -hmm. to people, you know, you know, you can come up with a number that seems fair and say like, Hey, you know, for, for X, I will, um, you know, look, you want to learn how to carve a spoon right now? You know, I'll basically message back and forth with you and I'll send you pictures and videos and all kinds of stuff and, and really help them get a good stance. Because if you think about it, there's also going to be a lot of people sitting at home, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe just working from home yeah. where, Hey, I, I, you know what, it wouldn't be, I could, I could use an hour real quick to just go sit and go carve a spoon on with, you know, a single knife or something like that. So 
something to think about. I've seen some people doing some things like that or offering some things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please, anybody reach out if that sounds, you know, appealing. We're definitely going to be moving that to the forefront of our, of yeah. our educational yeah. outreach type. Yeah. Yeah. Work. And here's, and, and I know that you said, um, you know, where you make a lot of your income based off your finished products, but maybe, um, okay, if that number might drop a little bit, maybe the other side of that is, well, instead of buying a spoon from you or a bowl from you, maybe somebody would like to try and make one. And so the idea is exactly. like, well, if I could teach you how to make it, you know, maybe there's going to be a little bit more of that in the next six months, uh, you know, of we, we both really feel like that's, I find a lot more satisfaction in teaching others and inspiring others rather than selling my personal work. I mean, it, it feels nice when someone wants to buy a spoon or a bowl that we made, but it feels really good to watch them say, you know what? I can do that. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, yeah. do that. I'm going to go make stuff. I was joking though on our drive back. We drove all night through the, well, Katrina drove. Thank you. I, I provided entertainment to keep her awake. It was valuable. It's an important job. Yeah. Uh, but I was joking how I need to shift gears completely and start hyping and marketing my, uh, you know, restore tools for the doomsday preppers, right? <laughs> and drawn hey, for, just exploit for self-reliance. Them yeah, just cynically exploit the, the climate of fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be, but like I said, I feel that if you are um, opportunistic, isn't that the word? Opportunistic. Okay. If you are that type of a person, <laughs> you know, you're going to look like the, the general rule of thumb is look for the inefficiency in a market. Like that, that can be a place to exploit for money. And I don't use the word exploit in a bad way. I mean, if there's a, uh, a lull in a marketplace, go look into that spot, you know, because that's where money can pop up sometimes or opportunities can pop up in business. But, um, yeah, I just think that we as makers, um, typically I know, and I, I always kind of compare it to the shop scenario. If you, uh, walk in with, um, into a huge shop space and you have to go lay out your shop and you almost have like unlimited resources for where you can put things, what you can do with them. You know, it sometimes becomes really hard and difficult. Like a good example is my school shop down there. Um, that school shop is huge and we have a, we have a great shop and I struggle with sometimes wondering like, okay, is this the best place for the table saw? Is this the best place for the planer? Is this, should this be over here? Or should I try and put all the processing stuff together in one corner and, I get, I almost get like almost overwhelmed oh, by trying to figure yeah, it out. This, the technical Versus, term for this is a uh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you say that. Before, <laughs> and that's exactly it. Versus uh, I saw uh, Paul Jackman put up a post yesterday of his single car garage and he's really limited with what he can do with this shop. You know, it's just a single car. There's only one real place where the table saw can go. There's only few places you can use here and there. But if you get efficient with it 
and you put some thought and you get creative with it, you can really become very efficient in that small space. So I would attribute that to kind of like the situation we're in where, you know, you're going to get limited on things you can do and places you can go, the types of things you can spend money on, um, you know, so use that and let your creativeness come out of that, you know, and if you've been thinking about like, I wonder if it would be a good small side hustle to start something like this or that, you know, look into it, you know, now's your chance. Precisely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Using those constraints, I, I find that helps me a ton. Um, Cause I try to find the very best way to lay something out or whatever. And when it's determined for you, then there's nothing left to do but get to work. <laughs> so <laughs> having a yeah, having a certain number of constraints can can really be helpful. And fun. Yeah. It's fun problem solving. One of and... the probably the most fun, um, most engaged spoon class I had out of twenty some oh. carving with the wood, yeah. teaching spoon carving at the woodworking shows this season. I chose a piece of, actually, the, the students chose it. I was like, yeah, this one, I probably shouldn't try to make a spoon out of this. This little piece had two knots. I wasn't even sure if there was enough room running between the knots to get a handle out of it. And it was this really, really tough, difficult to carve piece of ash. But we learned, the students rather, they learned so much more about um, the art of carving and reading grain and that kind of stuff by having those constraints there than if I had chosen an easy piece. Cause you think, oh, for, for people who've never carved anything before, you want to choose an easy piece of wood that's not gonna have a lot of aggravation to it. And um, it, it surprised me how much of an improvement it was to the overall learning. And I'll do that to myself frequently. I'll choose a piece of wood that I know there's probably not gonna be a lot of success in whatever I'm trying to carve out of it, but I enjoy the challenge of trying to make it happen anyway. And so it, it may or may not turn out, hey, well, really? but I really enjoy mm -hmm. the trying, trying to get at that goal through a difficult uh, uh, process. What am I calling that? A pathway. That's the word I'm looking for. The example that I can give from that is uh, down at school, um, you know, I was, I was a building trades teacher for 10 plus years. So I'm just, I'm just in my ending my second year in the wood shop as far as being a wood shop teacher. And last year, um, the, in my intro students, we do, we do four projects. We do a box, a picture frame, uh, a segmented bowl. We turn on a lathe and then an end grain cutting board for their four projects. And it takes them a semester to get through. And, so the, my, my, my gave students like, Hey, some examples of some boxes and picture frames to do and said, Hey, I, here's kind of like what I want you to do, you know, something like this, but I want you to take it and run with it and blah, blah, blah. And it created such a mess. I just, they had too much freedom. They wound up with some, they, some of them just, they didn't even, even know where to start then. Mm -hmm. You know, they couldn't even get off the ground <laughs> because they had, I didn't give them very good direction. You know, I didn't give them, uh, I was like, hey, yeah, you know, do whatever you want as far as it's a, you know, as long as it's a picture frame. And it just, because of that, they 
couldn't even start their projects. It was just too much for them. So this year I really focused on giving them a plan. Like here's, you know, here's the tool that you need to go use. And here are the sizes that you need to cut it down to, you know, start, take a, go up to the rough sawn material. And we're going to take that material down to five eighths of an inch thick on the planer and literally had to go through and give them step by step by step to this project. And when I did that, the projects have gotten a lot better this year. So it's definitely been a big learning curve for me, but that's the best I can attribute to that exact same scenario. And here, and I think with makers in general, a big appeal of making something, it's not necessarily you want to make the best picture frame anybody ever made. It's that you want to develop the skill and mastery of the tools and materials and expand your capabilities, right? Mm -hmm. So the, yep. the real value of doing it is in the, the in education, the in, the, in the learning, and not the end, the physical end product as well. So I think, uh, yeah, that's just always worth keeping in mind. I had another point that escaped me. <laughs> yeah. Katrina, you got anything to add there? I I think it's, I've always felt that way. It's always in the making of it, the creating, the being creative. And when you're problem solving, you are being creative, finding a, a, a route that um, it seems like this project may be impossible, but most of the time it's not. You just have to think outside of the box. You have to think uh, and use your brain and um, almost anything is possible. And and you can explore different materials and you can explore different processes. And um, I, that's the most fun part about making for me. You gotta yeah. use your tools wrong. That's right. And I, one of my favorite mm -hmm. things to do is to go out into the yard and find firewood and carve something out of a piece of crack to bit firewood. Um, I also really like taking pieces that Tracy says are, are too far gone and just they're not worth carving. Which is to say she likes proving me wrong. And I do. <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. You can't carve a oh, whole end grain bowl. No, no. Don't carve the end grain bowl. It's going to crack to bits. And Oh, you said I can't do that? <laughs> exactly. Watch me. Uh -huh. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a couple of end grain bowls up there on the shelf that are dry that have zero cracks. Oh, the, go, going way back earlier in our conversation here, there, is, there was another thing that was tickling my brain here so the, and we're talking about being adaptable right being flexible flexible but being prepared as well but <laughs> don't uh don't let yourself get blindsided by um focusing too much on one thing that that you perceive as whatever it is that's uh, uh the obstacle of the moment and case in point is uh I try to generally maintain good physical fitness and health. I've made that, you know, that's been a lifelong, I don't know if I call it a dedication, but I've, I've stayed physically fit. That means you got to go to the gym once in a while, right? And ironically, I've contracted some, some nasty, like flesh eating skin infection from a barbell <laughs> at the gym, right? So I don't know what that means <laughs> as far as contingency and preparedness so one of the, these days i'm not trying to be a bodybuilder anymore but i need to maintain 
a certain amount of strength and flexibility, you know, just to do mm-hmm. our job of hauling logs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so this, with, with all the scare of this virus that's out there, I, I have something that is now a threat to my health. It's completely out of left field. Yeah. And who wipes the barbell down? <laughs> right. So you, yeah. you <laughs> use the wipes. You never even think that that's going to be, uh, yeah, you never even wipe the barbell down. You wipe seats down, maybe handles, maybe, but never the barbell. Like no one even thinks about that. So even if, you know, you're taking all precautions and everything that, that you can only do so much, stuff happens. Yeah, stuff, stuff will still happen and you just, you just got to roll with it at some point. Yeah. Control what you can control. Yeah. And yeah. what's, what's your uh, quote about? Oh, yes, of course. There's, there is no situation that in, that cannot be made even worse by panicking, right? Yeah. So don't or panic. Getting, yeah. Losing your, <laughs> losing your S. <laughs> show. Sorry. Sorry to use harsh letters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, like I said, I I hope the story uh, that we read at the beginning of the hour, I hope, you know, maybe it helped somebody out, hopefully, you know, maybe it made somebody feel a little bit better about, you know, just staying the course, being confident in the person you are, you know, you're, we're all going to get through it, you know, we'll get through it, but um, just kind of some tough and trying times for a lot of people right now in a lot of different ways yeah. too, you know, um, economically and, you know, so, um, I hope that everybody can take care of themselves and take care of their families and, and, but don't forget about to take care of the making too. You know, you got to keep that going. And for some of us, you know, that might be the thing that helps you get through um, these two weeks, four weeks or whatever it is, you know, is expand, you know, go, go sit out in the shop and instead of going to the movies or something like that, like go sit out in the shop and work on something, you know, or, if you've got a young child in the house, you know, take them out there with you, you know, and I know that's what I plan to do for the next couple of weeks, get the boys out in the shop and I'll probably get the, get the hot glue gun out and see if we want to make some ninjas or robots or, you know, whatever it is they want to make and try and create. Yeah. I hope, I know a lot of parents are going to be struggling to figure out with schools closed, how to, how to handle the logistics of that. But, Mm-hmm. try to find a way to get some family time and i mean it's just like kind of a golden opportunity for that if you have internet there are infinite resources i i know one of my um former co-workers the english teacher she is now uh, i don't think she's teaching english anymore this semester or, or maybe just one class but she is helping other teachers find educational resources and so she has signed up for all kinds of um, uh, resource websites and Instagram accounts, et cetera. And she is posting those on her Instagram and Facebook feed because, um, yeah, all of these kids are now going to be home for weeks, which most parents have and parents will be home with them. Most parents, I don't think, have ever have ever done that type of stuff. There are yeah. infinite resources for art, for science, for math, for, for language arts, for all kinds of things that are fun to do with your kids. And uh, it's not just Candyland, which, by the way, I love games, but Candyland is one <laughs> game I do not play. 
<laughs> the one right into the can, Candyland hatred over here. All right, if we're gonna <laughs> hey, if we're gonna hate on some board games, the boys we haven't been playing it much lately. But Hudson loves playing shoots and ladders. Oh, that's and that two. game Ugh. can literally it could be a forty-five minute game if you allow it. Like yeah. it'll just you can just go up and go right back down and go up and go right back down and it's like oh, and it's the same thing over and over. Oh. What so. what's your mom's game? Oh, it's a it's a German version of of Sorry. Sorry is my number three hated game, and my mom loves playing this game. <laughs> tune in. Oh, this tune game in. can go on for hours. Like you're you, you're almost done. Like you're gonna win, and then you're not all the way back to the beginning. They played for like two hours yeah. over Thanksgiving. <sighs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Tune tune in next week, folks, when Katrina counts down from 10, her top 10 hated board games. And I love board games. She's going to give you an in-depth analysis of each hatred game. That's funny. I got to think that, well, you know, Monopoly is so fun until it gets so bad and long. And so, you know. Yeah, I've taken Monopoly. And so... Some people may not like how I play games in that if everyone agrees upon the rules, then that's how you play the game. I don't need to follow the <laughs> rules that are set out by some arbitrary person from years and years ago, and they wrote it, so then it's gospel. No, 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 no. We play the game my way or your way or however we all agree, and I've taken Monopoly and made it so that it's much faster. And I do, I'm going to interject this. When I was 11, I got second place in a Monopoly tournament. I'm just going to say. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just called you Greg Vallejo then. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like the Monopoly expert now. <laughs> but there there are ways. And so um, I, I do want to say, if you want, if you have any board games at home and an activity you could do with kids is to take various board games and mix them together and come up with your own game. In, in elementary school, my best friend at the time and I, on indoor recess days, we didn't, schools never have all the pieces for all the games. I mean, seriously. <laughs> and so we would take the various pieces and we would make up our own games. And that was immensely fun and creative and it was, it was good. So, so there you go. Activity number one to do with kids. Make up a game. There you go. I do know, I do know one thing I'm going to try and get in here in these next few weeks is, uh, you know, we, Jackie and I, we never really moved into the house. We joke because there's still like, like we've been in this house for seven years and there's still like boxes of when we moved out here that we haven't even opened yet and Mm -hmm. stuff. And so we just, uh, I'm going to try and get some like painting and the, the stupid little stuff like that, that you never really want to get to. I'm going to try and get stuff like that done. Excellent. So I think, uh, yeah, I think we can get creative and come up with something. Um, well, I thought I would jump into my do gooder, uh, since you guys kind of brought, got into the whole school subject a little bit. Um, my do-gooder is I'm going to shout out my own high school here, but it really is any high schools. At least I've seen a lot of this going on and I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm in an Instagram group, Instagram group with uh, there's probably like 20, 25 shop teachers in this group together. And we've been messaging back and forth 
this last week about, you know, there's a guy in West Virginia, there's guys, Nick Bodner's in it. He's in New York. Uh, there's some guys around me. There's guys in Ohio, Oregon, and, uh, pretty much everybody's kind of shut down right now. Um, we're all kind of like, man, what are we going to do? What, what's going on? Um, but the schools, a big issue that pretty much all of these high schools are having to deal with is, um, the, the kids and the families that uh, get free and reduced lunches through the school. Yes. And breakfast and lunch. And, um, you know, there's some families that can't afford that, or at least the school uh, helps those families out during the school year by um, then the families don't have to make those budgets uh, or put that into their budget, you know, and helps these low income families out. And uh, I know our school is going to continue to feed anybody that comes in every day. So they're going to um, continue to have like basically, I think, like a sack lunch mm-hmm. um, every day, both breakfast and lunch. Kids will come in, grab their stuff. They leave. You know, it's not like they're going to hang out there or anything, but at least there's going to be food provided um, for these kids and for these families. And so I, I think that's a really awesome thing that schools are going to be able to do because that was a really big concern. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why some states kind of waited as long as they did to cancel because they were trying to figure that part out. Like, how are we going to handle this when, when we do cancel? So any high schools, I, I hope if you're listening, I hope your local high school is doing that, but Ours at Lincoln High School in Illinois, we are going to be doing that. So I think that's awesome. I know that some urban areas in particular do that during uh, the summer recess as well. Um, uh, the element, We live mm-hmm. pretty close to an elementary school, and I didn't know they did this until last summer. Uh, but they do that for the kids in the area. They provide lunches um, every day during the summer, and it's basically to any any person under 18 can come in and, and get a free lunch at any time. And these, these are kids, of course. Uh, so your, your school that you taught at in North Carolina, yeah. many of those kids, that would be the only meal they got in the day. We, we would have students show up on, um, so in North Carolina, or at least where I was, you didn't have to, come into school if you didn't have a final exam you were just you just didn't have to show up we would still have students show up because they needed to eat and mm-hmm. so they didn't have to be there but they came in because they got a breakfast and a lunch and mm-hmm. um, so I, I think it's it's good that schools are still doing this mm-hmm. very much yeah I mean when you look at um how important schools are to their communities. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I know that there's things some, some schools do, you know, I don't agree with everything that schools do, but, but they do, they sure do a lot of good though, too. So that's for sure. Yeah. Anyways, do you guys, do you guys have a do-gooder? We do. Yeah. Uh, relating directly to the, to the current situation. Yeah, let's, let's keep it that big. Um, representative, <laughs> Katie Porter, uh, there's a video on her Instagram of her really um, not taking any any, I wouldn't say flack, but she's really holding his feet to the fire, the the head of the CDC, about where 
where's the money supposed to come from for people who are being directly affected by this virus, right? She was specifically questioning him on how are people supposed to pay for testing? You want people to be tested. And there are many people that don't have insurance or don't have very good coverage. And so she did an amazing job of questioning the head of the CDC and uh, getting him to say that all Americans can be tested for free. Right. But essentially, she points out that this individual Mm -hmm. has he has the authority to pay for all of that for every American. I mean, he can just issue a decree mm-hmm. that that will be covered, and of course, he's uh, he's very reluctant to to agree answer in the affirmative that, that they would do that, even though why why wouldn't we? So, why wouldn't we? So we get we get well, maybe a little bit cynical, and I think a lot of people do about our government officials and what they do and don't do. And it was refreshing to see her really good for her doing her fiduciary duty right. as a representative of the people. Yeah. And looking out after the people's interests, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's rep, rep Katie Porter, I believe, is her. K- yeah, Rep Instagram. Katie Porter, K A T I E. There's a she has a video of that exchange on on her Instagram. There. It it was uh okay. I got a little bit of chills. It was it was nice. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So, um, yeah. Well, I think we're pretty much wrapped up. I do have uh, I have one final review to read. Oh, that's right. I do have one final review. This is it, people. I've read, I think, 16 of them or 17 wow. of them. So I need more reviews. So if you're listening to this, go on Apple Podcast and leave us a review so I can shout you out here. And we can talk about how awesome we are. (laughs) So uh, this one comes from uh, KCR58. It says, subscribe now. Uh, I met Tracy and Katrina at Maker Camp. And although I learned a ton from them in person, I was thrilled to find out they started a podcast. After listening, I thoroughly recommend subscribing. And also, Justin Dietrich is the greatest person in the world. Mm. I'm kidding. He, I added that last part. The, because the last I thought part was that was so wasn't it, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was written in crayon because it was the only thing I could find. But... No, but thank you, uh, KCR58. Thanks for uh, listening and thanks for sharing and reviewing us and uh yeah i do want to throw out one last time uh please share uh this podcast you know even if it's with one person just uh somebody who you think might enjoy maybe this this last episode that we've talked about and i hope i hope that we've um i don't know at least uh given a a good perspective on the certain situation here and Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully in two to four weeks, things are getting at least a little more lax and not so tight. But, um, you know, no matter what I really do, I I feel like the the people that listen to this podcast and ourselves, I I feel that we are good, self-reliant, resourceful people. And 
we will take care of ourselves and take care of, you know, and we're going to take care of our neighbors and everything, but you know, we're going to get out there and, and be okay. So anyways, do you guys have anything you'd like to add? Well, a a slight counterbalance to our glowing reviews that we always seem to have. Uh, I got a a nasty review or I, I got my first complaint, uh, for teaching, at the woodworking shows our, on our last weekend there. It was it was kind of funny, I thought. This is somebody that came yeah. walking up to you? Uh, well, they didn't tell me. So this was a kind of a an older couple, probably in their 70s, and this was the backyard wood processing class. And I think that they were just somehow not expecting it to be a, a physically challenging endeavor to break apart ash logs with, wedges you know <laughs> and they, they seemed kind of aghast at the uh yeah yeah they left the physical difficulty through. but they, they they then decided to complain to the management about how horrible the whole the whole uh class was I, I <laughs> was so, like, so i i'll often use the example that well, what am I trying to get out of this, right? I'm trying to teach people like whatever you're looking for in wood, try to try to see it in what the wood's already doing. If you're breaking the logs down yourself, you can get the best blanks for you. And so I was using the example of a spoon and they, they, they somehow interpreted it to be just about making spoons. When I you know, was continually reiterating that I make spoons, but maybe you make violins. I don't know what you make, but if you want porous on stuff, go after that, but yeah, they, they were not happy and they demanded their money back. But they're keeping him real. Otherwise, his head might explode. So. Yeah, I've gone up four hat sizes already. It's true. Just by listening to Justin read these reviews. I know. So these people, they're doing. Well, that's good. Yes. They're, they're keeping it real. <laughs> yeah, they'll be okay. So. Yeah, we, uh, there's, I can, I'll tell you this. I have learned in teaching and coaching that, and you know, and even uh, there is, there's nothing you can do to stop um, just some people from just being aggravated yeah. or upset or frustrated or complaining. I mean, there's just, that's just a general population. I mean, I've, th- I, I can't tell you uh, some things I've done where, you know, some accomplishments that I've had and I'm like so proud of myself or like, man, I really did a good job. And then just to have people come in and just, you know, it doesn't matter. There's always someone in the crowd that, that sees it differently, that thinks you did a horrible job, doesn't look at the effort that you put into. There's always going to be those yeah. people. Yep. They're never going away. Yep. You know, I think the, the, the time I get most frustrated is when, when like, it's something that I don't care if you don't think the person's doing a great job. But if they're like you guys, you guys are living your craft. Like you guys are, you've truly invested your entire life into this craft and what you're doing and how someone cannot see that and then not respect that bothers me. Like that, that tells me way more about that person than, than what anything they have to say after that. And I just, uh, yeah, I've been through it. I've freaking been knocked down or as, as Patrick would say, uh, 
he made a comment to me, but I'm like, yep, yeah, oh yeah. But I'll I won't use the words Patrick used. I'll say uh, when you get you know when you get kicked in the shin. You know that's what I'll say. Uh, you get kicked in the shin, and I wish I could say it in a New York accent, but you know I can't right now. You get kicked in the shin, and you get knocked down, and uh, you know, but you get back up. And you get better from it, you know, and you become better, you become stronger, more resourceful, more knowledgeable. And I can tell you, I could, I could do an entire episode on that right there. But, um, but I've been there, you know, where you get kicked down pretty hard. And I will say, I truly believe this in my life, though, that if, uh, if that's you, if you've been kicked down or, you know, like even the current situation a little bit, we're all going to get knocked down a little bit, but I truly believe that we're going to come back and we're going to be better and stronger from it. So, you know, but it, it, sometimes we got to go through, we got to go through the storm. You got to sleep good when it rains. So. And we've come full circle. Boom. God. We are so good. So good. No wonder we. All right. Uh, I right. I hate to run, but uh, there's a dance party going on down in my living room, Dang. and it's only a matter of time until somebody gets pushed off a couch <laughs> and is crying. You know, or there's going to be a dance off probably. Frankly, uh, you need to be involved. Been, well, and the they have been listening to Axel F. Remember that song? Yes. From Beverly Hills? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say that we have listened to <laughs> Axel F no less than 50 times in the last week. It's all right. Because it's on it's on Angry Birds 2. <laughs> and so they have a dance-off in Angry Birds 2. And so they just keep playing Axel F. It's a great song. It's so. an excellent song. I think we're going to play it. <laughs> we'll join in. I've got a- all right. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, well, guys, it's been, I, you know what? I feel better after our talk. I do. I feel better than I did before we talked. Yeah. So Ditto. you guys are, you guys are good friends. Yeah. Aww. I don't care what, you know what? I don't care what Nick Bodner says about you guys. I like you guys. <laughs> well, we should, we should definitely wait a minute. <laughs> I thought he was my friend. <laughs> Nick, my, uh, I don't know if we told you, but Nick came. Nick and his son Nicholas came and helped us pack up between shows uh, after the New Jersey show. Yeah, so they hung out with us for a couple hours, helping us pack our crates all up. Which so somebody out there can appreciate the uh, the whirlwind that, that is, right? Like it's yeah. a tornado that goes off. But thank you very much, Nick and Nicholas. Yeah, yeah, that was. It was really nice. Good friend. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I better get back to daddy daycare okay. down yeah. there. But uh, good dance. But it was good talk. It was good talking to you guys and keep in touch and just keep fighting the good fight. And same with everybody that's listening along today. So, Will do. Thanks for Always. listening. Yeah. Share the podcast and hopefully we can reach out to some people that would enjoy listening. So. Indeed. Take care. All right. Obey the Grain podcast.